Hello listeners, this is at me producer Jeremiah Freeman. Today is June 12th, 2020. It's our one year podcast anniversary. Last summer, we started a podcast series called Zoom Room, and we didn't expect the name would be this relevant with everybody connecting through video conferencing right now, but it is. Each episode was designed to focus on a different topic concerning youth in our community. We did segments on homelessness, mental health, local filmmaking, and even a groundbreaking examination of the major motion picture phenomenon, cats. We had a lot planned for it too. This spring, we were developing a multi-episode look at school safety in the time of mass shootings. But all that was put on hold when the pandemic hit. From there, we started Podcast in Place, youth stories from quarantine, sharing the experiences of Alaska youth during the coronavirus, all recorded remotely, of course. And while we're still hard at work on that series, there's a more important issue that we need to talk about. Almost three weeks ago today, a black man named George Floyd was killed by officers of the Minneapolis Police Department. And since then, protests around the world have been happening daily to speak out against police brutality and systemic racism in America. Even here in Alaska, people have taken to the streets to show their support for George Floyd and the countless other black lives needlessly lost to police brutality. Here at ATME, we decided to get together and discuss this moment in history that we're living in, how it's affecting us individually and in our communities. We decided to open up a roundtable discussion amongst our youth producers as well as some of our friends. This discussion was hosted by ATME senior producer Cornelius Nelson and includes ATME producers Michael Stallworth, Daisy Carter, Devin Schreckengost, AJM Bao, and Chloe Chobel, as well as Michael Martinez, Olivia Danner, and TJ Lepchikov. It was recorded remotely on June 10th, 2020. All right, so I know we already kind of did a mild introduction earlier on, but uh, I'll start off. Uh, hi, everyone. My name's Cornelius Nelson. My pronouns are he, him. I went to Bartlett High School, but I graduated in 2018. Um, hi, my name is AGM Bao. I go to East. I'm a junior, becoming a senior this year, and I'm 17. Hello, my name is Michael Martinez. I am 20 years old. I graduated from Service High School in 2018, and I am currently at UAA, the University of Alaska Anchorage, and I am an assistant researcher in biotechnology development. Hello, my name is uh, Devin Schreckengast. I am 19. Um, I graduated from West Anchorage High School in um, 2019, and I go by he, him. Uh, my name is Michael Stallworth III, pronouns he, him. I graduated from Service High School, same year as Mike Martinez, 2018. And now I attend Folsom University in Winter Park, Florida, pursuing my film degree. Hi, everyone. I'm Chloe. Um, I'm 22. I went to West and graduated in 2016 but currently in Burlington, Vermont, where I go to the University of Vermont, and I just graduated from there. Sorry for stepping away, how to I'm plug in the laptop. I'm 18, I use he, him pronouns, and I just graduated from West Anchorage High School. I'm Olivia, um, I'm 19, I graduated from West in 2019, and currently I'm attending the University of Puget Sound in um, Tacoma, Washington. I use she, her pronouns. Hi, my name is Daisy Carter. Um, I go to the University of Alaska Anchorage. I'm 19 and I use her pronouns. What is your view of the police both nationally and locally? Man, I grew up in Anchorage, but now I live in Florida. I mean, we all saw the video. We all saw what happened to Mr. George Floyd. 
And I can say as a black man, I was enraged that this is still going on today. I think the main issue is not, it's just training and actually briefing the people that are able to do a job. The fact that the time that goes into being a cop where you're wielding a weapon isn't even equal to the amount of time you're holding a razor as a barber is insane to me. I feel like the entire system needs to be torn down and just rebuilt up where we can have people that actually want to do the job and aren't doing it for a paycheck or aren't doing it to bully people or just aren't there to just enforce their will on others. I think that if we get that done, we can see some major change, which we are seeing now. As we're seeing many laws are being passed today that will effectively change a lot of things. And that's all to the protests. And I think that's actually just an incredible thing that's going on right now. Yeah, I'm very much in agreement with you, Mike. It's not necessarily that I have a problem with the system or with all of that. And I want anarchy in the streets and therefore there'd be no laws whatsoever. It's I have a problem with blatant abuses of power, of which we've been witnessing for the years now. Exactly. Every generation of people of color in my family have had to go through the speech of explaining when you speak to police officers, use Mr., Sir, keep your hands visible at all times, and try to be as polite as possible. I want to live in a world where children don't have to learn that routine. That's not a ridiculous request. And if so, even social workers have to relearn cultural sensitivity and take sensitivity trainings to be aware of the different people and different backgrounds that are in our nation, then shouldn't police officers have to go through that same training if they're to be public servants? Because police are supposed to protect and serve. The amount of fear that occurs when we get pulled over by police should not occur whatsoever. I completely agree with what you're saying, Cornelius, completely. Yeah, to jump on the topic, um, speaking about even to historical moments of when some of this first started, even back to um, uh, something that I kind of specialized in in high school, but the Seminole Wars, looking at 1817 to 1818, uh, General Andrew Jackson and his troops were sent down to stop the slave risings and um, other plantation congregations that were happening um, outside side of their work and they would go down they would go down to florida in the south this happened in the south um during those times of uh the plantation times and slavery and they would burn down houses corral people and execute them as well if they weren't following and obeying orders and um i won't go i won't go into it too much but if you want to listen on npr there was a good talk by um a professor from rutgers university he actually talked about the slave patrols and how those were um, some of the first organized motions of policing, either in the North, at that time they were separated, remember, uh, the North and the South and the Southern areas, either to stop and prevent labor unions from overriding their owners and um, shopkeepers. But then in the South, it was to help police and get back the slaves who were running away. And then if you think about it, the generational trauma, the generational um, rules and learning, as uh, Cornelius has spoken of, eventually bleeds down and gets passed on to these younger generations, which we see today. And it hasn't been that long, 200 years, that someone's great-great-grandparents and then someone's grandparents, and then eventually now is someone's parents who, who still remember these things and still go through it today. And um, with the reform or with other ideas of uh, looking back at police training, I think I can attest to that. And I've actually helped 
train, either policemen, special forces, Marines. I won't say from how or from when, but um, it was a couple of years ago and stuff. My background is also, also in martial arts and mixed martial arts, hand-to-hand combat training. Growing up with this and being involved in uh, actual training of the combat portion, just the hand-to-hand combat area, um, you see that some people, um, not to put any offense out there or anything, but some people lack the uh, confidence and also the years of training to actually perform certain techniques to even act in self-defense or putting someone into a position where they can be arrested. But where you see the problem going on a lot of times, and especially now because of the media, you see them turning to the easiest and also the, the quickest last resort. If you cannot handle a situation with your hands or your physical body or even your words, being able to communicate with someone, what do you turn to? Your sidearm. You turn to the pistol and engage with it quickly. And that's what we are seeing today. It's interesting watching all of this stuff from a different state because obviously, you know, Alaska is my um, home state and that's where I, obviously I want to see change happen across the whole country, but, you know, I want stuff to ha- change in Anchorage and, you know, everywhere in Alaska. And so it's kind of sad to, you know, see protests happening in Anchorage when I, you know, I'm at protests in Vermont and I'd, you know, rather be in Anchorage, you know. I think we have a really big problem in the whole country. I think the police are much, much too overfunded. Like when you think about how much Dunleavy has been cutting from education and how big the police department's budget is every year. It's millions and millions of dollars. And just thinking about how long it took our government to even recognize that there was coronavirus in the US and it took literally seconds to militarize the police against protesters is just very, very frustrating and sad to see. I guess I'm glad that there's some like protests are happening and actions happening, even though this isn't a new problem and it's been going on for a long time. And if we don't do anything now, it'll continue to happen. Even though I think there's been a lot of change, I also think that we shouldn't get too um, comfortable with um, like the small changes that are happening because we've been messing things up for so long that it's going to take a long time to like make things just and equal. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't, we should be fighting for it now, but we shouldn't get complacent. I think like we should continue to defund police and look for other solutions other than just using weapons and arresting black and brown people at high rates and um, all these discriminatory practices. I've been looking at some stuff recently and it's insane like how huge our budgets are nationally, like comparing it to other states, you know, like we have a really big problem in Alaska. You know, on Instagram, I've been seeing so many people sharing bail funds you can donate to in different states. And it's kind of sad to not see Alaska on there ever, you know, like I see all these states and I want to have something for Anchorage and Alaska happening too. And that's kind of my worry is that with all these national discussions, somehow our state will kind of get left out and continue to go down kind of a negative path. I'm glad that there's some change happening and some, a lot of protests and a lot of action and 
movement happening and i just hope that in alaska we can like make some of that happen here too and not just it be this thing that we're seeing change happen in minnesota and other places i hope it can happen here too so a part of the bail fund i realized was for those the press protesters who have been arrested but in anchorage uh the protesters aren't being arrested because they the officers don't want to get involved with the protesters here which is a bit better in them trying not to stop the protest but still they need to know what's going on and realize the change that needs to happen because i went to two i went out of the ones that's happened in anchorage so far i went to two of them um one was the march through downtown and the other one was the one in midtown by the cars and the officers showed up to the first one for like a few minutes and then left before it even started probably to just talk to the news people and that's not even to us so i don't know if they're trying to limit what was doc what they documented there or what as far as media not a lot on anchorage has been posted but i have seen some articles posted about it including um marcus who who organized the one downtown which is pretty good but other than that i haven't seen anything else about anchorage here nationally i think we definitely have a really big problem with i mean like obviously with like police unjustly i guess prosecuting both um african americans and um other minorities and chloe when you said that like you, we, that we don't see a lot of action happening in like alaska i think it's because you know like people forget that we are a part of the united states unfortunately but we just have to remember that you know we like we are here and there are there is still a problem up here as there much as there is much down there all right so have you experienced or observed racism within our community uh personally not as much outside of school but experienced it more in school than anywhere else in like riding the bus system because certain people look down on you for the color of skin or because well I'm kind of like ethnically ambiguous. I could look like anything and to any other group that means I'm with the wrong one, unfortunately. Like a lot of people think I'm Dominican or I'm Polynesian, but oddly enough, I'm neither one of those. So when I say it, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, so you're like, what, black? I'm like, why do you have to, I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't see why you had to say it that way or why it's important, but yeah. Yeah, a lot of my racial insults came more from going to school up here than anywhere else and while I have moved around a lot I think I got and I'll honestly I think I got called the n-word more times up here than living in Louisiana which was very surprising to me but yeah that's my piece on it for now yeah so to speak upon uh, uh upon this um for me uh, ethnically I am part native Alaskan I'm also part Mexican and a couple other um ethnicities as well but to speak on the Alaska native part um I, I guess even throughout school, especially the times where you're talking about history and um, those parts where you're talking about those little sections, I guess, whether you're in elementary or middle school or even high school a bit, um, I guess you see that little difference among um, students start to rise up pretty quickly. It's like, oh, this person is Native American. Oh, the Indians, all, all the land is taken away. Or I remember having some close friends also. Um, other students would say, oh, we're talking about the slaves and then who do they refer to especially from those times into now but to speak personally um i think i've been pretty lucky to have a good uh a good circle of friends growing up 
where we have different um, backgrounds and we have um, some pretty good upbringings. Uh, either that or we've been um, taught to respect everyone pretty well and uh, equally also. But to acknowledge the other part of minorities where we, we see less and less and, um, in, the, in the upper areas of either education or, or power development or decision making, you rarely see people of color and black people holding positions, whether it be CEOs, PhDs, medical doctors, um, professors. And um, you can see that if you just look online at some companies or some institutions, just look at who are the instructors, who are the ones making the decisions. And I think that's where we should um, also acknowledge this. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, growing up, like, I mixed as well. I'm black, white, Filipino, and denying Athabascan. And so growing up, I primarily was made more fun of for being native up here where my people are from than anywhere else because in Alaska, there's this big stigma around natives, both because the, for obvious issues, starting what's the homeless issue, as well as drug addiction, and just overall, people look down on you for them once they learn that. Like, I have, I know so many guys in high school, and, oh yeah, it's not, I don't think that girl's cute, just that she's native. And that's, it's really messed up that people will say stuff like that. You know, for me, when it comes to like, um, have I personally like experienced any racism, you know, as a as a white as a white guy you know i'm pretty sure it comes to no surprise that i haven't personally mainly for me it's just like just looking on the news and like seeing um stuff like that that's where i mainly like get get the gist of how it is in this country and like i know that's a pretty horrible way to get it like sure the media will show you some of it but it's not going to show you like the grand scheme of things you know at least for me i haven't witnessed that much and i haven't had anything personally happen but you know i am i am one very narrow slice i am just very looking very narrowly or not looking very narrowly i can only see very narrowly just because of how i was born so of course that doesn't mean it's not there yeah i can say uh me and mike martinez actually grew up together went to the same schools and all that good stuff and i know both of us have had very uh, mixed reactions to being in school and being in public places. Me and him have both done a lot of public speaking engagements, but me personally, I have had a lot of different situations in Anchorage for just being black. That's part of the reason why me and Michael actually ended up making a documentary called Rise of Seminoles based off Seminole history to show how Native Americans and African Americans are bonded. And uh, I've had issues with schools, mainly private schools. I've had issues with the police. But one thing uh, I will say is I like like Michael said, it's really important to have a good friend base, you know, that can support you when that kind of stuff happens. Uh, my parents really instructed like in me how to deal with those kind of situations where I don't lash out, and you know I don't say something that could you know potentially get me in trouble, you know. So my sister went to I'm not gonna say which school went to a particular private school, and she was the only black like only one of two black people in her graduating class and she she faced that kind of stuff every single day she went to school and I remember one day I went to go visit her for a a, a play basically and she got done I'm waiting for her to come downstairs so I can graduate and give her flowers this older white lady approaches me and she says oh is that your sister up there I'm like oh yeah she, of course she did a good job he's like oh and then she asked me why don't you go here is it too hard for you and Stuff like that happened all the time when I went to go visit her. 
you know, I kept my cool. My mom basically ushered me away. And it's not even, it's like, it's literally the fact that people think it's okay. It's ignorance. Like they don't understand what they're saying. Or even if they do, they just say it because they literally think they're better than you. And what we have to realize is that we all bleed the same. You know what I'm saying? So it's really important that we learn to like really speak to each other with kindness and treat each other properly, you know? Because as we're seeing right now, we're, we're as a community, we're fed up. We're fed up with the institutionalized racism that we see in America, and we're definitely striving to be better. And anyone who is not on that train needs to just get out of the way. I've also had a couple of situations with uh, the police also where I've gotten pulled over a couple of times or I've just been approached when I had nothing to do with what was going on. And I can say like those situations are extremely scary, especially in a, in a state where like I'm at driving at night and I get pulled over and I'm alone. Like, you know, I, I know how that can go and I know like how scary that can be, which is another reason why in Anchorage, before I left, I did a lot of mentorship programs where I could talk to young black people about what's going on and how to deal with the situations, which is something no one should be able to, should have to deal with. So I definitely think that I'm very privileged in the sense that I haven't had to, you know, really experience much racism in my life. So most of the racism I've seen has been from the perspective of like seeing something racist happen to someone else or, you know, seeing just racist things in the community. And also my dad is South Asian from India. So I kind of, you know, learned from his experiences growing up in Anchorage um, and just different kind of racist things that have happened to him. Just thought about that, my life, you know, but I haven't had to experience that myself. So I definitely privileged in that sense. But yeah, I've obviously seen lots of racist things happen in Anchorage and Alaska all the time in school, like seeing different people be called names or, you know, just all kinds of different discriminatory things happening all the time. I have had very few experiences. I don't leave my house enough to have very many, but I do know, um, Back when in my, in my old biology classes, there was these two girls sat in the back of class, and whenever something of theirs went missing, I was the first person they always accused of taking it, and I don't know why, because I was never, I wasn't even near their desk, I was at the front of the class, and they're at the back of the class, but they'd always accuse me first before anyone else of taking their stuff, and then I've had experiences online as well, because I'm online most of the time, where people would call me names or block me just because they found out I was mixed, and then my mom took my sister to the store once and they were just walking down the, down the aisle and my mom's white, but my sister's mixed. And this old lady looked at her and gave them like the most disgusted look ever as if like they did something extremely wrong just by being there. And it's just, I didn't, I don't know what to think about it. It's just, it's not okay. I think that I was lucky enough that um, West Anchorage is, I don't remember the exact the exact statistic, but I'm fairly sure that it's one of, if not the most diverse high schools, at least in Alaska, if not in the country. So I'm Asian and I'm adopted. I, I, I grew up very, very, very much American. And so my culture and heritage has honestly never been a huge part of me. And I think that having gone to really diverse schools, I was lucky enough to not have to experience. And at the very least, 
hanging around the, the particular people that I was exposed to. I never had to experience really any racism. So, so most of what I did get exposed to was really just through news and through reading and just not myself particularly, which I feel very lucky about. My personal experience, um, I definitely experienced discrimination. I was um, called um, faggot, um, loser, um, gay as well. Um, I have a partner. It's where at this point where I can't hold my partner's hand. R racism is still a thing for, for me and my family. My family experienced racism a lot. Um, we've been called orange, we've been called yellow, we've been called all these names from other people and from my school as well. I've been pushed around for being gay, I've been pushed around for being orange. So yeah, that's, that's my experience. When I experience racism, it's, it's mainly been with adults. So like I've had teachers, actually I had one specific teacher when I was younger who would purposely lower my grade and purposely, you know, dock points off of, you know, my homework, even though I got like the homework right. And she also did that to an African-American student. So it was kind of odd. And also with, um, with some of my friends that I had in high school, which they weren't really the best. Um, but when I met their parents, it was even worse. Um, Cause I remember one time I went into their house and her dad was watching football. And then he's like, oh, like, do you like football? And I'm like, oh no, like I'm, I'm more into soccer. Cause well, not cause, just because I'm Latina, but because, you know, I grew up with watching soccer most of my life. And he's like, the only people that play soccer are um, Latinos and poor people, but that's the same thing. And it's like, ah, that's not nice. So, um, yeah, I think, but, de but it's definitely been a lot more with adults and older people. I haven't really experienced that, like with at least my friend group or with people around me. So I think we're definitely kind of growing at least again this is just my experience is that like I feel like I've just been or like we're kind of changing a little bit because again since those people were older they were kind of a lot more biased but um but yeah moving on to our next question is going to be whether you've been involved with the local protest or seen coverage of it in the news what impact has it had on you uh for me personally I have been involved going to them and I've been looking at the stuff in the news it definitely has been a lot and has occupied a lot of space in my mind, but I'm also very glad that now it's more vocal and I feel a lot more confident being as passionate and vocal about it as I've always been internally, but I've never really been able to be so vocal about because I was younger or people were just like, oh, you're just like 15, what do you know? Or just get dismissed because no one was as interested because it wasn't it, was, it wasn't as thinly veiled as it is now, where now people are stripped seeing, oh, people are being killed in the streets. This is an issue. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, this is what I've been trying to tell you about. This is what it's always been like. Now you see it because it's at your front door. I'm really happy that people can see it. While it is unfortunate that it costs this much for people to be aware, I suppose it's a better step forward than what it could be. I'm glad to see that people are more aware of it and more advocative. I completely agree with Cornelius. I actually saw Cornelius at the protest. The thing, the problem is with the protest is that why are we doing this again? You know, like we've been through this already. Like, why do we need to do it again? 
that that's that's our problem with our police system we've been through this why do we need to do it again it's like rewriting history martin luther king he's he already explained race, racism and already uh, showed the world like what racism is and the thing is is that we are we're we hadn't changed at all we 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 hadn't changed at all that's that's our problem in, in the united states that's our problem we literally hadn't changed at all and we've been we haven't been treated equally at all our president wants to i don't know what he wants to do next but he's been doing pretty much bad things in our in our police system and yeah that's that's what i want to say yeah so to speak about the protests i think um uh especially after seeing the death of george floyd and all the and then all the justice being done for him now um i think it's especially um important that we see that the protests do have power here and especially the people who are in the voting area or in the legal areas um for each state and also the federal government they are listening some changes are being done at the local levels yes even here in anchorage um alaska and um i i think those are pretty good first steps for me personally i have not been to the protests but um i do support them i can't uh, physically go due to the occupation that i am doing right now but um yeah i think um especially seeing the protests it's uh, around the world even and it's only been a, a couple of weeks it hasn't been many months but this all erupted pr pretty quickly you see london you see germany you see japan uh china australia greece italy france even too and um, I think there's multiple things that are fueling the protests here, especially. You also have, yeah, the main reason, um, or a lot of reasons, you have the racism, you have the, his death, you have the pandemic keeping people in, people who don't have jobs. And then also people are just fed up from a lot of things that they've experienced and also um, have seen, especially from Twitter and the media seeing the news is different than seeing the first person accounts that you see from Twitter. And especially um, knowing that some of these are being deleted and erased. They don't want people to see it. Or even looking at other states, for example, I think Arizona, um, Tucson area just passed a bill that they're gonna be fining people $700, $800 for filming the police. And how do other people feel about that, especially? Does it feel like your rights are being taken away? Does it feel like your voices and the violence are going to be allowed more? So I think there's a lot of things to consider here, especially with um, how the protests are affecting areas. In one way, it's bringing about change. In the other area, more things are being restricted. So that's my say. So I have not taken part in any of the protests, but um, from what I've been seeing just as a spectator in all this, it's honestly pretty amazing to see um, all this stuff happening or all these protests happening over the world, like everyone fighting for change and everyone just being like, you know, enough is enough. We have to change things. You have to change things now. Correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not completely well versed, but to me, this feels like one of the bigger, like, I guess, revolutions in recent history in terms of, uh, um, in terms of this movement. And um, one of the really big indicators for me of like how big this was, what came from a kind of weird place. I forget exactly when it happened. It was super recent, but um, you know, a lot of uh, 
a lot of TV channels, a lot of organizations are, um, you know, changing their Twitter icons or um, doing specific special things in their networks and things like that. So Nickelodeon went off the air for eight minutes and 36 seconds. And apparently all they showed during that time was heavy breathing and text that says, I can't breathe. And to me, that was like, wow, if Nickelodeon is doing something for this, then we're reaching a peak in history. And I know that's weird to say, but it's like so many organizations and companies are taking part of this. And going back to that Nickelodeon thing, some people were fighting against that saying, no, I don't want, I don't want my children to be traumatized over this sort of thing. Or I don't want, no, this is bad. You can't show this to kids. Like you're, you're throwing this in their face. The argument that came out of that was, well, that's the point. The point is to put it in your face. The point is, is to have these conversations about it. These protests are stuck in my Facebook feed. They're stuck in my news. They're stuck everywhere. And I think that's fantastic that all of this is being forced into the limelight and being forced um, into everyone's view. So it's seen as a real issue, right? And nothing that's just going to fade away next month. At least to me, from all the things I've been seeing, this isn't something that's just going to like die off and we're going to forget about it. I think we're, I think we're reaching a peak here. Yeah, I got to agree. I mean, if you look at history of protesting, it took 14 years before the Civil Rights Act was signed. No, so it's, this is something that we have to do together. But one thing that's different, this is a worldwide thing. We're talking about Australia, Japan, New Zealand, Netherlands. Like, this is going on everywhere. UK, I mean, you see, like, actors like John Boyega just, like, really speaking to the crowd and protesting. And one thing I find is super encouraging about what's going on is that they're all like our age. Like a lot of people that are running these protests are kids, you know, and people forget when this, like when the, like if you look back at civil rights movement and you look at who was leading, they were young when this all started. When this, when this started, when this all started, when they really started in civil rights movement in the sixties and early and late fifties, this was, they were younger. It took years for anything to happen. Like you see what have a civil rights act, you know, change isn't something that's going to happen overnight. Like when you see these bigger companies, you know, getting involved, which is something that didn't happen back in the day, you know, that this is just, it's really good to see that this is happening. We actually have movement, you know, but there's still, still, if you look at the news, you know, there's still people trying to tear down and basically uh, just say that we're not doing what we're saying we're doing, you know what I'm saying? But like, not everyone who's out there is for the protests. I mean, obviously we see the looters and rioters trying to basically put down what we we're doing, but you know, a lot of us are out there protesting peacefully. Uh, you know, we're, I can't breathe, you know, and that's really important for people to see that. And to your whole Nickelodeon thing, I, I know, cause I've seen those posts where pe- kid parents are saying, oh, it's Trump, this is my kid, but I'm sorry, but this is happening and it's happening now. It's been happening for years, 400 years. This is, <laughs> this is something that's just gonna go away. That's only been happening for the last five seconds. Like people always say, 9-11, never forget. But when you bring up slavery in school, they're like, oh, don't talk about that. You know what I mean? This isn't something we can just not, that we can just like push it under the rug. It's happening right now. We're living it. So it's either the question is, man, like what side are you going yeah, to? Yeah, there's always, there's always so much talk about remember this. This day's important. Remember these people. But then it's like, and while it is a different issue, it's still a problem. And I feel like it's even more relevant purely because so much of the population in this group is people of color. Yeah. Memorial Day, Veterans Day, people of color have such a long-standing history of the military because that was the first right we were ever given was yeah. 
you now have the right to fight and die for a country you're not allowed to vote in. No, like you can't vouch for one of these groups then not for the other if they're so heavily tied. Also, I feel like the same people that tell us, oh, you need to remember this and show respect to the people who fought for this country. It's, yeah, those are my people as well as those same people are still being mistreated. My dad, when, when he was in the Navy, was still get, told racial slurs on a near daily basis whenever he was in his BDUs, just walking around casually. He would get hey. pulled over and police ask him in, to verify his identification. And it's, where's the respect for any of it? And plus, you know, like you said, Mike, there's people just trying to capitalize on it all because there's the people going out there trying to be vigilantes really and try to like attack protesters and act like they're Captain America when really they're a part of the same systemic system of hate. I agree. Cornelius basically just summed up the last half of my, what I was going to say, he kind of 100% agree that we are a part of this country. We are very big contributors to this country. American culture is African-American culture. Is It's us. You know, hip-hop, the way people dress, the way people talk, that's us. And the fact that we are going through this and suddenly, like, people, but people are now having our backs and, like, realizing that is just incredible. I went to, as I said earlier, two of the protests. Um, that one that was downtown and one that was in Midtown. May 30th was when those two protests were happening. And I went at the second protest that was in Midtown. They made it clear that it wasn't just Black people and African Americans in general, just that were being targeted, but also in Anchorage, but also um, Alaska Natives as well, since that's a good part of the population. And I am both. So that was a very big thing for me because I am, I'm part LU, and so the Aleuts aren't often talked about when it comes to problems with natives, and I've noticed that. But I've also been watching, I'm on a Discord server, and it's a 2020 support server, and they have chats for all 50 states, and I do have access because I'm a mod on there. They, everyone's been talking about their experiences with all the protests and what's been going on, and it's just very sad to see all of them happening like this. And, that a lot of it is even being documented. Like the people who stayed after protests and cleaned up the entire streets and washed the buildings and covered up the vandalism, that isn't documented by the media, but documented by other people. And so all the media is showing about the protests is the violence involved. That it's only like a small percentage of people that, that are doing that and everyone else is trying to stay peaceful about it. And I just wish that the media would show the whole picture and not just the one side that they want to show, making it seem like that the protesters are wrong and not the police. I am basically not active on social media and I pay probably less attention to the news than I should. And yet I've still heard so, so much about various protests that are happening just from my family, from friends, from just people on discords that I'm on. And it's honestly kind of incredible. I, I think that peaceful protests are obviously good because they're throwing issues in everyone's faces that people would much rather just brush aside and forget about. But I also do have a tendency to happen and die out. But I think, honestly, that's what I was going to say, but having heard everyone talk about the breadth of this, does genuinely make me think that this won't just be another series of protests that goes a bit further than the last, but doesn't quite reach where we need to get. And I think that's really incredible.
I've been to one of the protests, which is the one in Midtown. I wasn't able to go to the one downtown, even though I really wanted to. But I wasn't really expecting a lot of people to go to the protests here. Because, you know, I think like, oh, it's, it's Alaska. Not a lot of people are going. But there were so many people there. And so many people holding signs. And so many people, so many people like recording. And so many people like, you know, like I, I saw Cornelius there. He was taking pictures and, you know it felt really like unified and it felt very beautiful like in a way to like see everyone like you know like fighting for like this one cause and like my sister and I got like a little emotional at the protest because it was just like so much like everyone was so passionate for this one thing and you know I've only felt that like usually when I'm like like in in California where a lot of like my Latino like my, my Latino family members are and it was just really nice to like see that and see that like sense of community, you know, in a place that, um, you know, does, that I don't think Alaska really has those values. And I've had friends who are like going offline because like they're done with, you know, this like seeing their movement in this face. And it's like, well, that's the point. Like Devin said, that's the point. You're supposed to see it in your face. We're trying to make a movement and trying to make it stick and not have it just go under the wayside like how it has been in the past 400 years or however, however long like slavery has been a thing so so yes let's move on there's supposed to be a few more questions about like the leaders and everything but it feels like right now in my opinion the movement isn't really focused on necessarily on political leaders because right now they're the ones being silent what are you doing like individually or people you know doing to keep the movement going and alive what are you seeing what are you hearing what are you doing in my case it's just going out to every protest i can there's going to be one this Saturday uh, at Valley of the Moon Park. It's, it's not a protest. It's a poetry reading and everything. But it has a lot of people from the protest that have been working the protest going to be there. As well as I've been going to every protest I can, just getting photography, video, interviewing people, getting doing as much as I can. Because unfortunately, because of my ethnicity, I will regardless be viewed as a person with a biased perspective in all of this. So I'm just going to be a part of it and voice what I see. My goal isn't just to go like, oh, see, look, we're doing all this good. We're fine. Like, everything has to be covered from what the movement is. That's why I'm interviewing everyone, not just people of color at the rallies, old people, old natives, young white people, everyone, because this movement is on everyone. It is at the point now where everything is collapsing in on itself. Like, the police are tear gassing and shooting rubber bullets at white people, too, now. Everyone is a target, unless you're trying to support tyranny you're the target in our new modern America. So I figure, well, if we have to go about it this way, where we have to just shout in the streets, then that's the way it will be until it needs to not be that way. And that's kind of what I've been doing, just trying to advocate as much as I can. Honestly, about the tear gassing and the cops, like just using power, it's as if America is finally looking in a mirror and they're just not liking what they see. So they're just reacting just lashing out in very destructive ways but even if i can't make it to the protests what i've been doing is like if you look at my instagram i dropped a post that had a doc and a couple of links just showing where you can donate where you can just sign petitions because there are many ways to contribute to what's going on you know and it's really important to get the word out there that things are still going on because a lot of time in our microwave culture we have right now a lot of times it's 30 seconds we're done you know but this isn't something that can just go so I just 
we'll tell people just keep posting, keep pushing. If you can't make it to the protest, just if you see something important, if you see someone getting hurt, if you see anything on, like, on social media, because that's where all the footage is. The media is not showing what's actually going on. It's the people. It's us. It's us videotaping everything with our phones, which is another reason why it's so crazy. I believe Michael mentioned it, the fines, the $750 fines for recording. You know, that's all we got. You know, so I just would say just keep posting, you know, just keep pushing for real. And, you know, just make sure you're doing your research before you make any decisions. Yeah, I think I like what Cornelius said about getting the perspective of a variety of people, especially in these times, because it is affecting everyone and it is the people's voices that need to be heard. Um, at this point, it's just me um, probably talking with other people, also seeing what views are and also educating them, showing them why people are doing this. Some people have uh, messaged me personally, either whether it be social media or over the phone, and we, we've talked about it and um, uh, tried to address um, the issues and why these things are here and how I'm seeing this as for myself. And um, yeah, just putting out the bail funds, other stuff like that, making some small donations here and there. But I, I think the other thing that, I've, that I'm also focusing on is trying to help um, my, my different mentees here. I also have uh, a handful of mentees that are either trying to get into the education part, so helping them pursue their goals, and then the voting part too, helping with the local stuff. If you're 18 or over, it'd be good to do your research into your local people, see what's being done and um, help support those times or even attend those things when assembly people are talking because you can send emails to your representatives. And a lot of times, a lot of people our age don't attend these things. They're online. Some of these things you can listen in on and um, how many people know their own local and district uh, representatives here or even the, the, the state too there are there are the offices here and you can call just pick up the phone call voice your opinion or email voice your opinion get other people to do the same thing and that um is, is also something that should take precedent here in these times but yeah i really can't do much because i can't go outside as often because i have my immune system is compromised with my medical condition, but I do try to go to the, as many protests as I can with the limited amount of time I should be exposed to outside with corona and everything. But I do also try to post the, like what's going on, share, share the information and the links and all the support stuff as I can with the limited amount of stuff I have. What I've been doing a lot is kind of educating myself but also educating and talking with um, with my family members and with my friends because some of my family members and friends don't really I guess agree and don't really see what the problem is so I've just been trying to like educate myself and then relay that information on to them and also I have been posting some stuff on my social media, I just feel like I hope that this movement doesn't just stop and like it doesn't just again like just go by the wayside and just kind of like I, don't know. And I think that's also a big problem with like like some post an Instagram story or a um or just post an Instagram story or just post like on their Facebook or just post on their Instagram or whatever. I feel like at that point it starts to become like a trend and it starts to feel more like a trend and I don't want this to feel and be a trend. I want to actually like have change and have movement 
So I've been like, you know, telling people and telling my friends like, go vote, go vote for, you know, representatives who do think and people who do think that, you know, we all need to be equal and that we all, you know, and try to actually instill change instead of just posting a picture about it and actually post and actually signing petitions and actually like, you know, doing stuff instead of just posting a picture about it. Yeah, if you do post pictures, you know, don't just post a black screen that has like whatever. Don't like don't like you got to put like some links at least, you know what I'm saying? Throw some links that have some useful information that can help like the public actually know what's going on, you know what I mean? Like not only that, like like I was mentioning like links to, you know, your local candidates email addresses, uh petitions, you know, don't donating stuff like that. That way we're actually pushing the conversation and we're not just exactly doing it for clout and doing it because it's trending and stuff like that because just because like you post a black screen and nothing else is like what what is this exactly like there's, there's no point to it if you're not putting something else on it you know what i mean you gotta put some more information on it for sure because i know when i first did it i just put i posted a black thing and i had like a quote and then i took a few minutes and i was like that's not enough. And I ended up just like deleting and reposting. I had like a ton of links on there. Cause I was like, if you're going to post it, you got to have something else on it. Just besides just like the, the screen, you know what I mean? And that's the problem that Daisy mentioned. Like some people are just doing this for clout at this point, And that's not what this is. My rule of thumb when I post all the stuff is just like linking speakers in it, making sure people are knowing what organizations are doing. What I even made a separate Instagram. Cause it was like, all right, yeah, it seems like it's going to take a foreseeable future, and I got a lot of dumb stuff on my Instagram. All right, time to take this a bit more seriously. And so I've been like adding all the people, the speakers, the events, talking about future events, just making sure people are filled in on what's going on as possible. As everything is going on, I think it's important to um, keep everyone also healthy as well. Everyone is pretty, pretty much isolated a lot of the time, so... Keep contacting your friends, your family members, stay in touch, do other Zoom meetings. And um, if, yeah, if you do go out to these places, um, I would recommend wearing a mask or even some eyewear also and washing your hands, um, coming from our uh, research perspective. But um, yeah, and, and I think especially acknowledging and putting out the proper information to get into some of these positive areas of either funding, um, the people who are captured either for the arrests who are protesting, um, supporting the black businesses, that that's becoming quite uh, apparent, especially from the news and also local areas. Yeah, one more thing, like while you're talking about donating, make sure you do research on these donate sites because a lot of times they're not actually connected to what it says. So like the one, yeah, so just make sure you do research before you start donating and stuff like that. But yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, definitely that that too. You want to make sure that you the person is open, has an open profile. Um, the funds are actually being allocated to the proper place. If they have receipts also, those seem pretty credible. And, and even local stuff too. Just be sure to be part, be, um, be open to participating in new manners also. I think it's also calling upon us each individually to step up in these matters. So learning more, reading more. And um, thank you for having me on here. It was a pleasure meeting all of you guys and seeing some old friends also. So uh, thank you for having me. It's very important that we go through with this and don't let fall by the wayside. But also, um, it's important to make sure that you yourself are doing okay. Because 2020 has been a crazy year with um, COVID keeping us all inside immediately following to us in the middle of a revolution that's that might impact you mentally so just you know make sure you're doing okay as well 
um, before you go out and support. Just make sure you're in the up and up and make sure you're all good with that. I just wanted to say that I hope that this isn't just like, like as I was saying last time, this isn't just a fad. This isn't just something that passes over and hopefully we'll actually get some change. And, you know, I think we mentioned earlier in the call, like, don't fall for like, you know, like these like little changes that's happening. Like I saw that they're starting to change the names of certain military buildings in the U.S. to um, African-American men and like generals who, you know, were actually like around that area. And I remember like my mom coming out with that news and she was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. And it's like, yes, this is amazing. But like, what is that going to do for, you know, what's actually happening? And actually I just got a notification on my phone as well that NASCAR is actually banning um, people to fly Confederate flags in their um, stadiums now, which I think is pretty cool. But also it's like, what, like that's good. But, like we need laws to be changed. We need things to actually, you know, happen. And yes, that's good, but like we need real aggressive laws and things to change. And I think a big thing too is that we just need to educate each other and we need to like sit down and listen. I think that's such a big reason why there's so much conflict in the world is because we don't just sit down, like shut up, have an open mind and listen. So yeah, we just have an open mind and listen. Yeah, this is great that you guys do this. Hopefully we can do another chat pretty soon. Um, this is something that we're going to have to do. I think we're going to have to do this more than once because this is going to, like he said, this isn't just a thing we're going to do this month. This is going to be ongoing as laws pass, as things change, as things escalate and things de-escalate, you know, and that, you know, so this would be something we can do. It'll be a good thing to do, not just one time, but maybe another time soon. I really appreciate everyone coming out for this and, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been real. I'm really happy. We're all viewing this as a marathon, not a, not just a sprint. And that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you to our contributing producers, Cornelius Nelson, Daisy Carter, Devin Schreckengost, AJM Bao, Michael Stallworth, and Chloe Chobel. Special thanks to our guests in the discussion, Michael Martinez, Olivia Danner, and TJ Levchikoff. Our show's theme music was composed by Kendrick Whiteman. The roundtable was edited by Devin Schreckengost. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including United Way of Anchorage, the National Endowment for the Humanities, and the Rasmussen Foundation through the Arts and Education Fund administered under contract by the Alaska State Council on the Arts. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Anchorage and help keep our podcast going, you can donate to our organization by going to alaskateenmedia.org and clicking Donate. Also on our website, you can learn more about what our organization does, listen to past episodes of our podcast, and find out how you too can get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Jeremiah Freeman. Thanks for listening.